Is that good? I genuinely can't tell if that's good. G'day everyone, how are ya? It's Aiden Jones here. You're listening to Sitting Under a Tree for Tuesday the 28th of June 2022. <sighs> are you doing good, man? I hope you guys are doing good. Thank you for listening and um, thank you for just fucking plowing through your week, you know? Thanks for getting it done. If you're out there getting it done, Australia salutes you. And if you're not in Australia and you're out there getting it done, Australia still salutes you because we're a big player on the world stage. <laughs> Australia's out there trying to get it done. 25 million of us, according to the census. You see that? The census came out. Man, does anyone else get... I get so frustrated by how slow our population growth in Australia. I'm like, can we fuck... Come on, man. Can we fucking get it moving? I always compare Australia to like where we're at as a nation to America in the 1800s. And I'm just like, we are getting eaten alive out here. I mean, it's a completely different country. You can't compare the two. But like, I just want us to be... I just want Australia to be a big country already, you know? I don't know why. I do know why, because if we're a big country, there'd be heaps more places for me to perform stand-up comedy. (laughs) And there it is. (laughs) I just want there to be more people that like me. (laughs) I I want there to be more fans for me to, like, get frustrated that I don't have... Oh man, that's why I'm so grateful that you guys are here and you're listening, you know? It's not so much a podcast full of fans as it is just an extended group of friends with a one-way conversation, isn't it? Oh man, I got a lot of stuff to talk about, I reckon. So watch this podcast go under time as I drastically overestimate the fucking how interesting my life has been for the last week. Um, First up... I want to say, and this is very sad, a big fucking, oh, how do you even say this? Rest in peace. Rest in peace to Nick Nemiroff, a great fucking hilarious, beautiful Nick Nemiroff, man. Um, I found out Nick Nemiroff was a comic from Canada and uh, I knew him. uh, He was over in Australia years ago, like just before I moved to the UK and I did gigs with him there. And then I saw him around the fringe in the UK and I saw him over the years here and there. A lot of my mates in Melbourne knew him and like spent more time with him than I did because I was overseas. Um, and I fucking, everything that was coming out, like all people today, he's, he, he, no one knows, you know, what happened or how he died other than that it was very sudden. Um, but uh, everything that everyone, you know, said was just like overwhelmingly nice that he was just the best dude, super funny. And uh, some of the stories that were coming out that like other comics had about doing gigs with him and stuff were fucking awesome. And it made me like sad that I didn't know him as well, you know. I guess I think I think at the time when he was in Australia, I was still quite, And I mean, I guess I still am in a way, but at that time, definitely, I was really like self-absorbed. And if anything, I was probably threatened by how nice the dude was and how funny he was, (laughs) like how how much everyone seemed to like him and he didn't seem to have to like fight against himself. I'm sure he did. I don't know, man. I didn't didn't fucking know the dude and, um, you know, it just makes it like... 
very sad that I mean I what I did know of him that I my contact with him was more like as a fan because his album The Pursuit of Comedy Has Ruined My Life which by the way if you haven't listened to it go and check it out because it's so good and it came out in 2020 and I can't remember whether it came out before the pandemic or during the pandemic but um either way when it came out I listened to it and I remember it was the first like really great comedy album of someone who I knew personally and had gigged with that came out and it kind of made a bit of a splash, you know, like people were taking notice of it and I listened to it and it was so funny. And it's weird to listen to a comedy album of someone who you know who you've gigged with and then, you know, to like experience them from the perspective of like just any other person listening to an album of someone you don't know. Um, And that's how good it was, was it was like... I mean, his jokes were so good and his style was so instantly recognizable. Um, And I remember thinking like, I guess that that was the first person who I knew who had put something out and it made me realize that it's possible to do that, you know? It was like a really inspiring thing. And then to see him on Conan, like he got on Conan and he crushed on Conan and he fucking sat down with Conan, you know, like... I mean, the guy was doing so well, which is why it's so <sighs> incredibly true. I mean, it's obviously it's tragic when it's, it's like like it's not sad if someone wasn't doing well. <laughs> like if someone dies, but you're like, yeah, but you know, he kind of fucking, he was struggling. So <laughs> no, not like that. It's not that at all. But he just was doing so well, you know, and and it was so clear that he was only just getting started. Um, I mean, you know, he's put his first album out. It was a couple of years ago. He probably had a bunch of stuff ready to put a fucking second album out and we're just never going to get it. We're never going to get it. Um, yeah, so really sad, man. And I, I wish I had fucking spent more time talking to the dude because every interaction that I did have with him was just like overwhelmingly positive. And even actually a few years ago, I found... Uh, there was like a meme page that had stolen one of his jokes and I brought it to his attention and like the humility, you know, like I was angry on his behalf. I think just because I'm a psycho and I just, am looking for shit to get angry about. Um, and so I saw that and I was like, Oh, I'm fucking so pissed, man. Even though it really has nothing to do with me. And I messaged him and he was like, you know, like kind of agreed with me that it was annoying, but was also, I guess it was a bit of an example for me because he was just like, yeah, you know, this sucks, man, and I'm pissed, but hopefully they reply to my message that I just sent because I'm only going to be have the energy to be pissed about this for like a couple of days and then I'm going to let it go. And it's just like, I think I was angrier about that than him. <laughs> like, which goes to fucking, that speaks for how prolific a writer the dude was that that was a joke that he, I mean, he did the joke on fucking Conan. What's a meme page doing, you know? <laughs> <laughs> what's the level of due diligence that these guys are doing that they're just ripping a word for word joke that a guy's done on Conan but that's a testament to how prolific a writer he was that he could fucking see that and just shrug his shoulders and go yeah you know fuck that sucks man thanks for letting me know but whatever yeah anyway rest in peace Nick Nemeroff man thanks for um, thanks for everything you put out and everything that you did Ah, well, that's that. Um, I was actually, I was talking in therapy about 
like that today. I wasn't talking about that. What did I talk about in therapy? I was just talking about um, something that made me sad. Maybe I'll talk about it later. It's not relevant right now. But what I was feeling today about this, this, um, you know, this about Nick passing was like I kind of felt guilty for not knowing him better, and in the same way, another thing I was feeling sad about this other thing today, and it was just it comes down to like guilt for not having acted a certain way in the past, you know, and I feel guilty about that. But it's like, what's the reason that I acted that way in the past? Well, maybe I can talk about it now. We ended up talking in therapy about like, so there's a, there's a thing that happens where my therapist will ask me to feel a, a thing because we were talking about how I'm so I'm non-committal. I don't commit. Like in a moment when I'm like interacting with someone, I'm like, oh, I don't know if this is good enough or I want to get away. And then when I get away and I'm by myself, I'm like, oh, I wish I was back there so I could do it right, you know? And I'm never able to be in the moment. And we we're talking about that and like how being non-committal is a kind of way to keep people at arm's length. If you're not present with someone in the moment and able to commit to being in that moment with them, then people are always at arm's length and they can't hurt you. And um, we're talking about that and then my therapist, as he does, asked me how that makes me feel and if there's any feeling and what it feels like. And uh, we've been noticing lately that my voice goes really flat when he asks me those questions and I often, I just say like angry or whatever. And I realized today, like I said, anger. And then I was like, is there anger though? Like, cause he was like, what's the anger? And I'm like, I guess I'm angry at you, but it doesn't really feel right. And I, I was like, you know what? Maybe I don't know how I feel. Maybe I don't know what the feeling is. Like he was asking me, he's always, for, for as long as I've been doing therapy with this guy, he's asked me, how do you feel? And like, you know, what's the feeling? And I feel like he wants, I feel, <laughs> how many times have I said feeling in the last five minutes? Um, I always feel like he wants an, you know, he's asking me a question. So it's like, okay, I should give him an answer, but maybe I don't have an answer, but I always want to give him an answer. But by giving him an answer that I think he wants to hear, I'm not letting him know who I am. And once again, I'm like keeping him at arm's length. I'm like putting forward this, this fake image of who I am because it's what I think he wants rather than just going, you know what, I don't know and I don't know what the feeling feels like. And maybe that's what I'm talking about with with Nick. I'm like, I don't know that I feel as much. I wish I felt more. I wish I was sadder about this, but I'm not. Like I am and it is sad. It is obviously object- it's sad that someone's passed. And um, some of his work had an effect on me. But I just wish that I, I, a part of me wishes that I was closer to him so I could feel it more, you know, because everyone else who I've seen, and I mean, it's just a bunch of comments. Who knows what everyone feels or what? I don't know. But like I see people in the outpouring of emotion when someone dies and I feel guilty for like, not crying. I didn't cry, you know, but then I, I don't know. It's not fucking about me, is it? <laughs> it's not about me at all. Um, but this is, I guess, how I'm processing it. <sighs> and this is how I process everything is to make it about me. Fuck, man. I'll do some fun stuff and then I got another thing I want to talk about. Oh, I forgot to say last week, Tuesday, the 21st of June, the day that I did the pod. 
That was my fucking three years of sobriety. How cool is that? Dun, 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 dun. Three years of sobriety, man. Um, maybe I should tell... I had the idea that every year on the podcast, I would tell the story of the last day that I drank, you know, and see if I like have a different perspective on it every year. I don't know if I'll actually do that, but here's the story of the last day I drank. And if you've been listening to the pod, maybe you'll remember me telling it years ago. I'm not sure if I've told it before, but um, I woke up in Bangkok the day that I decided to quit. I don't even know if these, these events have any kind of uh, like bearing on the decision you know like the events of the night before were i was doing a gig in bangkok and i was emceeing and it was free drinks and i got really drunk and i didn't feel like i gave the best account of myself on stage i didn't embarrass myself the gig went fine but i didn't feel like i was really on my a game and uh that was whatever though you know that happens sometimes and then me and this local act uh, we were like drinking and we we're feeling good. And so we we're like, you know what, man, let's go to a fucking, let's go to, let's go to one of these fucking Bangkok fucking strip places, man. We're in Bangkok, you know, two fucking dudes in Bangkok out looking for a fucking couple of ladies, you know, that was the energy of us going out into the night. It's funny how like... <laughs> If you were in Australia, it would have been like, all right, maybe we can, you know, try and meet some girls and talk to them and whatever. But I guess the Western idea of being in Thailand is like, no, nah, man, why would we talk to women when we can pay? <laughs> Which is a really fucked perception of a country, isn't it? Like, you know, I mean, there's clearly some fucking racism in there, whatever it is. What it is. Ugh. It is what it is. Jesus Christ, Aiden. Maybe do a little bit better than that, can we? <laughs> yeah, man. Uh, you know, racism baked into my perspective as an Australian. That is what it is. <laughs> there you win some, you lose some, man. <laughs> Am I really gonna gonna just shrug my shoulders to to just like a fucking blatant racism? Oh, all right. So anyway, all right. So we're in we're in Bangkok and we go out and we go to one of these bars, these like strip joint where you like pay for drinks for the girls and those drinks cost more than the drinks you get for yourself. And the whole game is you just got to keep buying the girls' drinks. So they sit next to you and they talk to you and they sit on your lap and they, you know, the girl that I've got is like grinding her butt on my dick and I'm very horny and uh, we keep buying drinks and I'm getting drunk and we like made out a little bit and, you know, she was, I don't even know, I couldn't tell you a single thing that she said to me. Uh, no, I don't even know. I get, I probably asked her like what she does outside of that or whatever, I don't know. I don't fucking know, but I, you know, I was drunk enough to think that she was uh, like interested in me and um, I was buying her enough drinks for her to hang around <laughs> and then I started running out of money or maybe the bar was getting ready to close or something um, and she started going like, oh, I'll suck your dick for this much money or we can fuck for this much money and I'm in my head going, I don't have that much money or like I do, but that's all my money. 
And so I started making like, nah, I don't know. I don't think I got any money. And I reckon she was, this is the detail that I'm like, have been thinking about at the moment. Cause I've been trying to talk about it on stage a little. And, um, she gave me a hickey and that was what I woke up to in the morning was, uh, I woke up hungover, uh, having spent a lot of money on buying this girl drinks. And I had a big fucking hickey on my neck. And I don't really, I kind of vaguely remember her giving me the hickey and like, you know, sucking my neck, which I thought was exciting. And I saw how big the hickey was in the morning and I was like, you know what? I reckon that girl, it was like an aggressive hickey. You don't give someone a hickey if you, if you're in love with them. Let's start there. When's the last time you were like, you know, like birthdays and Christmas, baby. I want you to suck my neck until it swells up like a fucking, like a grape. <laughs> it's just not something that you do to someone you care about, is it? Um, is it? I don't know. I mean, fucking maybe some people, maybe one of you guys out there does a hickey as a sign of respect <laughs> to your significant other. Uh, it just doesn't strike me as something that you do if you're in love with someone, you know? So what's the purpose of it? I don't know, but something about it and about the memory of her giving it to me and the situation we were in kind of indicated to me that like, I, I reckon she gave it to me because she was annoyed that I was running out of money and she's like, I've wasted my night on this fucking lame duck, you know? Like she thought I was the cash cow. And then after a while, she's like, oh, this guy's not going to pay me to suck his dick, the fucking loser. This guy's looking for a free bloody ride. And she's absolutely right. I was. Um, and, you know, in, the, in, in her line of work, I reckon I'd be seen as a bit of a time waster. Um, that's my thoughts anyway. I reckon that's what, that was kind of the feeling around the hickey. And that was like, yeah, it was just a bit of shame about that. But I don't know, like any of that doesn't really, to me meet like a level of like, well, fuck, I have to drastically change my life. Like I've had bad nights before, you know, I've never had that specific night, but like I've done shit that I'm ashamed of in the morning plenty of times, but there was something about there being there and in the state that I was where like at the end, that was 2019 and at the end of 2018, I'd taken a month off of drinking and liked it. And then in 2019 for comedy festival, I didn't drink. And again, I enjoyed it. And I'd been kind of like tossing up about whether to do more times of not drinking and what my kind of end goal was and where that was going. And that day, something just clicked. When I woke up in the morning, I was feeling down on myself. I called a friend and then I went for a long walk to the club that night. I like got breakfast and did fucking whatever and then went for a long walk. I must have walked for like two and a half, three hours, I reckon, from the hotel to the uh, place where my gig was. And at some point on that walk, I decided like, or I just had the thought of like, what if I just didn't drink at all, like ever again? And all of the ideas about like, you know, that it's difficult to decide whether I'm going to drink or you know, how long I should stop drinking for, or if I should try and limit my drinking or mitigate it or what, all of those, all of that mental energy and work just went away. And I was left with 
the blanket statement, I don't drink. And uh, that was it, man. I have, that was three years ago. How cool is that? I'm really proud of that. And I've got a friend at the moment from Adelaide who I'm like a new friend who I'm becoming friends with who we are bonding <clears throat> over sobriety and she's trying to quit and keeps like slipping up and it's giving me like a, a renewed appreciation for like how lucky I've been that it's been really easy for me because I am, man. It's been so easy. I hate to say it. <laughs> Because it's supposed to be, you know, a struggle or whatever. Or some people struggle. I feel like I've got a bit of survivor's guilt because I have so many people and my friend, I see my friend, you know, struggling with it and slipping up and falling back into it and whatever. And I'm like, yeah, man, it's just not my experience. <laughs> mm. I'm like, this is so easy. Look, mom, no booze. <laughs> and, and then watch me have a fucking slew of other problems anyway. Yeah, so that was last week. That was cool. I went to a party on uh, on Saturday night, which was fucking sick, man. A house party. So good. I just have a, like the friend whose party it was. You know the kind of friend you got where you're like, I don't know you that well, but I know that if you have a thing, it'll be cool. You know that you got that person in your life where you like haven't even really hung out with them before. You just know them from work or from friends of friends or whatever it is. Some people just have that aura of like you're gonna throw a good party. I know you are because you know cool people because you just carry yourself that way and the people that I see you around or whatever it is. And then you know, unfortunately, there are other people out there who, <laughs> for how, however nice they are. <laughs> You're just like, I'm not coming to your fucking party, mate. <laughs> you know, I'll come, I'll, I'll come, I'll start my night there. I'll start there and I'll fucking <laughs> bring you a little gift or whatever. But that is not, I'm not, can't, I'm not basing a night around that party. And that's sad. Yeah. There's just some, I don't know, man, what is it? What is the thing? I've always thought like if you're going to have a party, you got to know what it is and have a clear idea of what it's going to be and like be firm, be like we're doing it. This is what we're doing. We're doing, we're having a party and it's going to be good and we're putting effort in. When it's like a fucking, oh yeah, come round and we'll fucking, yeah, it'll be good, man. Come whenever, I don't know. that You don't want that. It's happening at this time. This is what we're doing. I've put effort in. There's a fucking, you know, maybe there's a theme. There wasn't a theme for this party, but there were DJs, which is always sick. You know what, though? I'm not going to lie. And this isn't whatever. The dude that DJed at my party still, for me, knocked it out of the fucking park. The DJs at this party were sick. They were good. And maybe it's just not, it wasn't 100% my kind of dance music. I don't like that like that fast thing. I don't know what that is. I can't really fuck with it. I think I just have real cheesy basic tastes, man. I want a house remix of the Titanic theme tune. <laughs> you know, I want some shit that I can sing to and be on my best mate's shoulders. <laughs> 
and like cool house music is one thing, but you know, I don't go out enough. I'm out of the fucking loop with it. So I don't know enough of it. And if I don't know it, I can't get excited about it. I'm not on enough drugs. The, the fucking one of the DJs at the party was actually playing a bunch of stuff that I remember from 2009, 10 and fuck, it was so sick, man. Shit that I remember from going clubbing. I was like, yeah, dude, yes, this is what I want. It was a great party. I mean, the DJs were still fucking awesome. There was a strobe light. There was a 10 pin, like giant 10 pins all around the place. Some chick was going around with a camera getting people to pose for silly photos. That chick fucking rocked. My mate whose party it was was having a sick time. Everyone was dancing. There were comics out the back telling stories. I loved it. I loved it. It was a great night. Um, here's something I kind of want to talk about. And I don't know. And actually, this ties into my friend who's... I, I guess I don't want to be too specific. But uh, I have a mate who's a journalist who wrote a really great thing. And this is something that I'm kind of worried to talk about because I don't even know if it's my thing to talk about. But the thing in the States, right, the abortion stuff, Roe v. Wade, um, getting t- getting fucking struck down, which is f- obviously fucked. Here's the thing, man. Like, I, I realize... Sorry, I'm just finding this piece because I might read this piece that my mate wrote about it. I realized that, first of all, everyone's talking about it. And when I say everyone, I mean my feed's full of it, but I'm noticing that it is, it's like I I don't remember a guy posting about it. It's all girls posting about it. And um, it's very overwhelming. I find it difficult to engage with. I know it's important and I agree, obviously. Well, not obviously, maybe it's not obvious, but I agree that women should have the right to abortion and it's their body, you know? And um, I just think it's a net good in the world. Whatever. Women should have the right to abortion. That's like really the beginning and end of it. But I never really thought about it too much more than that. You know? And so all these people posting about it and they're angry. I agree with them and I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm sad that you're angry. But a part of me is like, I don't want to engage with that because... I don't want to just get angry and I feel like that's a waste of my energy, you know, to just get angry and be angry. I guess I don't like being angry. What a luxury for me to have, you know, whatever. But my friend, Bella Fowler, who's a journalist at news.com, posted this story about it and it's a personal story that she's put online and, um, She's such a good writer and it made me, I guess, see it in a different light. And also what it did, which I'm really grateful for, is it gave me an opportunity to talk about it in a way because I, I this is the thing, man. I see all women posting about this stuff and I'm, a part of me is like, man, I should be, I should add my voice to this. Like that'd be nice, you know, if only so that other men, I guess the argument for me adding my voice to it is not that I'm going to say anything new or have anything kind of new to bring to the conversation but so that like other guys like if I was a 20 year old dude looking at some comic 10 years older than me who you know is like I guess young comics young like male comics might respect me I feel like that 
I feel gross saying that, but like you know, I'm a whatever. I'm a, have some sort of position in my community. And uh, if I was a 20-year-old dude and I saw like an older guy, it doesn't even matter about comedy. If I saw an older guy who I liked talking about this thing, it might make me go, fuck, I should think about that more than if women posted about it, you know? Because like for whatever, for better or worse, men are role models for other men. And women aren't really role models for men. So women posting about it is one thing and that's the direct experience but to kind of drive it into young men who are the people that we need to be reaching because I was that young man once to drive it home to those guys older men need to be talking about it but I didn't feel like there was a way for me to talk about it that was kind of sincere and I guess not just virtue signaling I don't want to just you know say stuff because virtue signaling wouldn't be talking to those young men virtue signaling if I was just going yeah I'll add my voice to it how great am I then that's not for the men that's just for that's just for women in my life to go oh yeah thank you what an ally and that's not what I want to do so I was looking for a way that I could say something about it but still that feels kind of honest to me, you know? <clears throat> so um, my friend wrote this article and I shared it and I'm very grateful for her having written it because it gave me something to talk about. Here it is, I'm going to read it. The overturning of Roe v. Wade is a devastating sign of how the world sees women is the headline. Subheading, millions of women in the US have been robbed of their reproductive rights. Here's why those of us who have had abortions are so heartbroken for them by Bella Fowler. I terminated a pregnancy at 22 because I wasn't ready. That's it. I see no reason any woman should have to explain it further than that. The weekend's unfathomable US Supreme Court decision, however, is undeniable proof we live in a world that deems it necessary to explore the intricacies of a woman's choices surrounding her body and life with sick perversion. So here goes. I fell pregnant to my boyfriend at the time. I was on the pill, but I'd forgotten to take it. We didn't use condoms. Frankly, it had never been discussed who would bear the responsibility of whose job it was to ensure an accident didn't happen. It just seemed obvious it would be mine, so it was. I made the decision to terminate the pregnancy the day after the dreaded plus sign appeared on the test. I wouldn't say I agonized over the decision, but it certainly wasn't one I made lightly either. I do want children someday. The basis of choosing to end my pregnancy at that point in my life was just that I wasn't in a position to raise a child. Neither was my boyfriend. Neither were my parents. Not long after the procedure, we split up. And in the years since, I've had many moments of sweet, sweeping relief that I didn't go through with having a baby I didn't want in a relationship that wasn't right. I've also been able to live overseas, secure my dream job, make incredible friends and monumental mistakes and become the happiest I've ever been. Almost eight years later, there is no doubt in my mind that when I do become a mother, my child will be far, far better for it. It breaks my heart that there are women in the US who will never have that clarity. Roe v. Wade, which in 1973 provided the constitutional right to abortions up until fetal viability, was overturned on Friday local time. It is now up to each state to determine whether women can have legal abortions. At least 10 states have outlawed abortion, with no exception for rape or incest, since the ruling, which means millions have lost their reproductive rights. This has left many of us shaken to the core. Every 68 seconds, an American is sexually assaulted, and one out of every six American women has been the victim of an attempted or completed rape in her lifetime. 
An unwanted pregnancy as a result of rape on top of the trauma of being a sexual assault survivor will be a national disaster. It's a given. But regardless of what led to an unwanted pregnancy, every woman should have the freedom to choose the direction their life takes with the same freedom men have to opt out of using protection. It's been pointed out many by many that the cripplingly underfunded health system in America is not only ill-equipped to support women for conception to birth, but the country itself is enormously underprepared to support the inevitable influx of children born into families that cannot afford to raise them. It is not about babies, and it never was. The devastating truth here is that women's bodily autonomy does not exist in 2022, and the men who want to claim it as their own are far more powerful. Everyone's story is different, but I've never met a woman who lives with regret for their abortion, and we should never be made to feel ashamed of that. We didn't kill our babies, but in one fell swoop, the US Supreme Court killed women's freedom. That is the only source of shame here. <clears throat> the thing that really stuck out to me in this uh, was here. It's been pointed out by many that the cripplingly underfunded... No, not there... Regardless of what led to an unwanted pregnancy, every woman this, right? Regardless of what led to an unwanted pregnancy, every woman should have the freedom to choose the direction their life takes with the same freedom men have to opt out of using protection. Like that, I guess I've kind of heard the view over and over again, but for some reason, this story just like drove it home to me that it's not about women having rights over their body or not. But it's like men have the equal right over their body and no one's talking about taking that away. They're only talking about taking away the rights the women have over their bodies. And there's a bunch of TikToks of, you know, people interviewing like drunk fucking hicks and just like they're so, their views are so clearly hypocritical and, and nonsensical. It's like, you know, look at these people, they're fucking idiots. I don't know. I guess I fucking, I understand... I'm, I understand more after having read that why people are angry. In this, again, I don't feel angry. I feel sad, I guess. I feel sad for anyone who has to have, like, go through a pregnancy that they don't want to go through. You know, I was thinking this today. People are saying, like, if you don't know a woman who's had an abortion, then you're just not the kind of guy who women trust like with that information. And I was like, I don't, I don't think I know a woman who's had an abortion. I know women who have had abortions, but like that they've said it on stage, but no woman has ever confided in me. This is again, a very selfish way to look at the, <laughs> look at the situation. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like thinking about doing a call out. Can any of my female friends, like if you've had an abortion, can you confide in me, please? <laughs> Am I the problem? <laughs> Guys, I'm really starting to worry that I'm the problem. <laughs> Could someone please tell me about their abortion? <laughs> but I don't. I can't think of... of, of, of you know what it is? I <laughs> Probably actually I do have a friend who's told me about her abortion and I've just forgotten. <laughs> Genuinely. I wouldn't be surprised if that were the case. Oh, that's awful. Why am I, how have I started laughing after reading that fucking article? A part of me is ashamed of that and a part of me is kind of proud. 
Oh, man. <clears throat> it stinks, doesn't it? It stinks, and I don't know how to feel. Like, I see all this stuff. Do you guys get that? I see all of this stuff happening, like, in the news, and I feel guilty for not feeling. I'm like, should I be angrier? But I'm not, and I'm not going to pretend. I'll go to the march when we do that stuff and have my body be there, and if I want to talk about it, I want to talk about it in an honest way. I don't just want to fucking add my voice, you know? Or just say it just so everyone goes, yay, ally. I was, to be honest, I was like a bit scared of uh, posting my friend's story because I wanted to say that the reason I was posting it was because it gave me a kind of new perspective on the issue. And even that, I was like, is it bad to say that I've got a new perspective here that I didn't already have it all figured out? Like I was scared that people were going to go like, you mean you didn't fucking get it? What the fuck? Oh, I didn't get it. I mean, I probably, I still don't get it, probably. I don't know. <laughs> it's fucking, it must suck. It must be really scary. I thought about that, like, it, how do, there's probably going to be a bunch of women in the States who are now scared to have unprotected sex and won't, who, like, might have before but now definitely won't. And, like, what did fucking... Young dudes do when girls can't have unprotected sex. They spit the dummy. And if there's a violent guy in that situation, like this is going to lead to... Oh, God, I can't even... You know? Yuck, man. What a fucking brutal country. I also kind of resent the way... I'm not resent. Resent is definitely the wrong word. It's like it, it, we should be getting angry about this stuff because we do have a cultural connection to America. But also it's helpful to remember like... We do live in Australia, guys. We, we're in Australia. Like, it's not all good here, but like, and we should get angry at that, but like, it's not happening here. They were talking about that on Hack yesterday. I was listening to Hack on Triple J and they had someone on who was talking about like reproductive rights in Australia and they were like, you know, it's actually pretty good. All Australian states now have access to the medical abortion, which is this pill that you can just order. South Australia passed it like last month, I think, which was the last state to do so. So now in anywhere in Australia, a woman can order these pills and just have an abortion with a pill, which is fucking awesome. Great. That's cool. Isn't that cool? Anyway, Jesus. Dark. Real fucking depressing stuff this week, Aiden. Friday night, I went out with my friend to La Tonada, which is a Colombian restaurant in Carlton, and it was delightful. And you know what I learned? You know what I you know what lesson I took from the experience? <laughs> what I did that night was I had a gig and I canceled it because I I've, I've learned I keep having the lesson presented to me <clears throat> and it's time that I've implemented I've learned that I can't do work and pleasure pleasure social whatever work and non-work in the same night. And if I had kept that gig there, I, I haven't seen my friend in like six months or some shit. And I kind of was tempted to do the gig because it's a good gig and I could have done it and whatever. But, you know, I wanted to have dinner with my friend. And I got there and I told her I could have done a gig tonight, but I wanted to fucking stay and have dinner with you. And she was like, no, you could have done the gig. I could drive you there. And I was like, no, nah, let's just fucking chill. I could have gone and met up with some other friends as well. But I was like, no, nah, man, we're doing this, you know. 
It's like to just allow time. The lesson that I'm learning is to allow time in my life to do things that are enjoyable and not need to cram heaps of other stuff in. And so me and my friend went to dinner and we had dinner, slow, beautiful fucking, what did we have? Chicken. Uh, we had some empanadas, four different empanadas with like four different sauces. And then we had uh, we had chocolate caliente with, no, cho- you don't say caliente. Yes, you do. Yeah, you say chocolate caliente con quesito, chocolate, hot chocolate, man, with a bit of cheese. And my friend was like, this is what we do in Colombia. This is your food, man. I'm teaching you about your culture. They gave us a little bowl of cheese and a cup of hot chocolate and you fucking dump the cheese in the chocolate and then you dig it out with a spoon and it's all melted. You know what? I didn't hate it. I didn't love it, but I didn't hate it. It was good. Salty, sweet, you know? I could see the fucking... Maybe the cheese even needed to be a bit stronger, I reckon. I wanted some parmesan, some kind of really like... Not like not like funky, but just like a cheese with like a salty bite, you know? Because we just had tasty cheese. I wanted some fucking real salty cheese in there, but it was nice, man. Again, like in therapy. I didn't know that I loved it. I didn't know that I hated it. I'm non-committal. <laughs> I'm scared of this fucking chocolate and cheese thing, really getting to know the real me. <laughs> so I'm trying to keep it ambivalent at an arm's length. Uh-huh. I feel about hot chocolate and cheese the same way I feel. No, I can't make the joke. I can't make the joke. Um, but anyway, we did that. And... Uh, and then after dinner, she was like, I'll drive you home. I was like, she was like, I'll drive you to wherever you need to go. And I was like, just take me home, man. I don't want to go out. This was it. This is my night, hanging out with you. And then we drove back to mine and uh, we sat in the driveway and just talked for like half an hour after that. And that's it, you know? <clears throat> if I had had a gig, if I was running around, we still would have had a nice time. But that was the best part of the night for me, that half hour sitting in the driveway, neither of us needing, like it was still early, you know, neither of us needed to go to bed or needed to do fucking anything. We'd had the time and we were just sitting there, you know, neither of us really wanting it to end and just talking and having silences and showing each other songs and it was beautiful. And that's what, that's what hanging out with a friend is supposed to be. It shouldn't just be an appointment sandwiched in between two other fucking obligations you know it's supposed to be a pause and a fucking a nourishing moment all right the photo for this week is gonna be man i got a fucking sick people taking pictures this week i got a double I'm going to Google deep dream it and make it the photo for this week. It's from the party, the dance floor at the party. One person taking a photo of a person, another person taking a photo of that person. And I fucking nabbed him. Suck shit. You've been papped. Fuck you. (laughs) Um, That'll be on sitting under podcast on Instagram. And I'm going to put the regular photo on my, uh, on my fucking regular Instagram at Aiden Jones comedy on the, on the story. I reckon, because it's a really good one. Um, what am I going to call the podcast this week? Maybe I'll call it, I don't know, feelings. 
You ever listen to that Offspring song? Feelings, nothing more than feelings. Trying to forget my feelings of hate. <laughs> Maybe I'll close the pod with that this week. The advertisers have long deserted us, guys. There's no more advertisers, which means I don't need to put non-copyrighted shit on the podcast anymore. So you know what? Bus, that's going to be the end of the podcast this week. Taking us out is The Offspring with feelings off of their 1997 release, Americana. That's testing my knowledge, but I reckon I got that right. Thank you very much for listening. If you've liked the pod, five stars on iTunes, Spotify, give us a review, follow them on Instagram. And oh, if you're in Castlemaine on Thursday, come to my bloody show. Anyone in Castlemaine, I've got the show on Thursday about my biological dad and in Geelong next week on Thursday about uh, my biological dad. The same show. They're happening. Tickets are moving. It's looking good. Newcastle in July. Buy tickets to that. The whole fucking thing, whatever. This has been Aiden Jones sitting under a, tre- sitting under a tree. <laughs> Peace. <laughs>